practice, but always one to just put my love for my brothers and sisters in Christ before politics and before what they believe. Because, I mean, that comes first. No matter, I mean, at the end of the world, doesn't matter who's president, it's who's your brothers and sisters in Christ and loving them first. podcast i am your host max cepeda um guys i think we're now at the point in this show where i think first of all i hope everyone's doing okay i hope you're all having an amazing day but i just want to get to the point where we're like i think we're now in a relationship at this point between me and you whoever is listening i think we're, we're now at a point where we're just we're vibing we're chilling we're having a good time and we're going to going to be talking really to someone who honestly is probably easily maybe the dear my one of my dearest friends Maybe my best friend out of anyone we've had on the show so far. No offense to anyone else who's already been on the show. But this is someone who I've known now going on six years, guys. This is a big deal. Um, she's a former clarinet player that I've known for a long time. She currently works at Chick-fil-A. She's a Team Pact alum. And she really is honestly one of the coolest people in the world. And her name is Abigail Lee. Abigail, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. Well, first of all, let's let's go back. Because I did this. I, As you all know, I obviously had... Someone who obviously a lot of you guys don't know who I had back on episode three and Lily McDonald on the show. And like Lily McDonald, you are also a alum of the Bay Area Performing Arts Club. So let's go back to 2016, August of 2016. We are in a where 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 set the scene. Where are we? Where are we right now? We are I am that year. Experience. I think that was the year I first started band i remember i got i started out in recorder class because i actually didn't have enough money to purchase a clarinet which is what i wanted to play and my grandparents for my birthday that year which was in september uh surprised me by refurbishing my dad's old clarinet and they gave that to me as an early birthday gift so i actually got to go into beginning band and it was my first year in a homeschool co-op so really like in a co-op environment with like a lot of other people wow. and it was pretty crazy. Yeah. So that's actually pretty interesting, though, because so, I mean, because you're if I'm doing the math right correctly, you would have been going into, I think, seventh grade at this point. So you're probably like around 11, 12 at this point. What was it like, I guess, in that sense of having to grow? Uh, first of all, being in a co-op where you're surrounded by a bunch of other people who are growing up in the, who are being educated in the same way that you were. But now being in an environment where you might actually may have friends like outside of your family, because I'm I'm assuming because you didn't have that co-op experience, you must have been very close with your siblings for the large part of your childhood, I'm assuming. Yeah, so I honestly didn't have a, a lot of friends. Uh, I think when I was nine or ten, our church went through a huge church split and, and most of my friends stayed like with the other side of the church. And so I had to make like all new friends, but our church has always been very small. And so I had like. A close friend or two, but yeah, I've always been very close with my siblings. Um, my closest sister in age, Allie, she's like hands down my best friend and uh, always has been because, I mean, friends come and go, but she stays. I mean, honestly, <laughs> she's the best sister I got. She's great. 
Do, do your other uh, sisters get offended when you say that, or they're just like, "I've I've stuck up for you. Like I I made sure you weren't in trouble this one time. Like I like I've done a lot for you. Like have like have your other siblings just been like, "I've done a lot for you. Like why why you be going about saying that?" They typically don't know, just because like it's kind of obvious. I mean, just because after that, um, Ali's fifteen, but the next one's fourteen. At that point, now we're at a four year age gap, and mm-hmm. it's just it's kind of like it's just there's a thing with you know age, and then. Uh, Allie and I have shared a room almost like I feel like our whole lives, especially the last couple years. Oh, so you see, I still share a room right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow, that's crazy. That is crazy. Do you think when the college experience comes around that you will miss her? Definitely. I'm a little bit scared for the college experience. Obviously, that's kind of coming up. I, you know, I've started applications and all the crazy stuff. And yeah, I think definitely, especially because I'm planning to move a couple hours away from my family. Yeah. So. And especially with the roommate experience and not having that roommate be your quote-unquote best friend, I guess, in a sense, is also going to be interesting. Right. But, um, right. Going back, I guess, to the to the whole performing arts co-op of it all. So you started necessarily, it was your first year in band, but not only was it your first year in band, was so was it your first year as a part of the co-op? Because it sounds like it was also your first year just in general, really, there. So, yep. um, so we both necessarily started at the same time. Lily McDonald, I guess, was before us, as no surprise she was. Um, but in many ways, we in, or were very much thrust into an environment because I was very much not used to being, I had done a co-op, um, at a separate campus out in Pearland for like school for like three years prior, but I had never been in an environment when it comes to performing arts. I had never been in an environment when it comes to homeschool students, people of our education showing off talents and showing off that talents for Christ. And I thought that was so interesting and so I, 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 and it was really interesting in the sense that like people necessarily didn't care how well they sang. They didn't necessarily care how well they played, even though sometimes they did because of competitions and that sort of thing, but that's a different subject for another day. Right. But like it very much, cause I grew up obviously, and I talked about this with Lily. I grew up in a professional voice choir where everything had to be in order. Everything had to be perfect. We performed constantly and in a sense made me have this intention where performing arts and music had to be at a certain level in order to be successful. And in many ways, joining Baypack was very much a huge humility thing for me, like a huge, like humility by like, bro, it doesn't have to be all great. It doesn't have to sound all good mm-hmm. all the time. It just has to be done for the right purpose. And like, did you, did you ever feel that like in like a choir room where you feel like, uh, we don't really sound that good or like, or in band where like, we don't really sound that good. But do you ever like think in like the back of your mind that it's all for Christ and, if it really matters yeah i think so when i first started, i started choir the year after i started band and uh so i've always been i've always had a loud voice always i mean especially more recently always led my section but um i started out as a very horrible singer i was so bad that the choir director herself pulled me out of choir one day are you serious and gave me free private lessons because i was that bad i am dead serious did she tell you uh-huh. that you were bad beforehand like she was like you suck we need to go <laughs> like no she didn't she was oh, okay. just like Thank hey you. she's really nice about it okay but That's thinking good. back on it i mean i'll even see like videos of me singing from a year ago and i've just come you know like that much farther i can't even begin to imagine how i sounded before any professional instruction wow. i mean where i'm at now i've had um, multiple um one-on-one like voice teachers and um, i've competed vocally several times i've made it into the texas honor choir private school honor choir stuff like that and i just but anyways but all the way back then in choir i mean i was just so bad i got singled out by the choir director 
and I was just singing for fun. I was singing because I loved it, and I was singing for Christ. And so, like, yeah, definitely, it was like I knew that I wasn't perfect, and but like at the same time, that was okay because yeah. we were just singing and we were giving our best. Absolutely, I think that I think, and honestly, that was something that I definitely did not learn early on because I definitely was someone who very much enjoyed. I guess the pride that I was kind of gaining at Baypack because like, I know sometimes like I would come home and I would be like, Oh, I'm better than all these people. Like I I could stomp all of these people. And you guys honestly understood that too, because I remember like sometimes like, especially in those first couple of months where like the guys would just be like, Hey, you know what? You just, you just do everything. Like you just like, just take, just like here, take the music. Just I'll just be here, you know? And I feel like some of the girls like felt that way too, but like, in many ways, I don't want to say, obvi- obviously, I regret, like, obviously, those decisions. And obviously, I was, like, 13 at the time. But in many ways, it was very much, I guess, a learning lesson in that sense where I had assumed that music, like I said earlier, that music had to be at a certain level in order to succeed. And in many ways, I just felt like that, that honestly, just all of Bayback was just such, like, a humbling experience in a sense. Not only was it a great community, but more importantly, it was just really humbling in a sense that my musical talents didn't have to define who I was, you know? So I think that was definitely one of the things that I really centered around. But do you feel like that you, because obviously you were more focused as being a clarinet player because you had done it, I'm assuming that you were, because you were obviously, you started that before you had joined the choir. Even though you obviously done the live singing now, do you feel, I guess, it's probably changed now, but did you feel like then that you felt more comfortable sitting in a band chair than you did in a choir chair? Absolutely, yeah. The clarinet was something I took to pretty naturally, probably because my dad thinks that. But uh, <laughs> he played he played clarinet all the way from like junior high all the way through college, wow. and so it's just something that kind of came naturally. And I mean, I love band. I did solos. I was uh, first chair in band for many years, and I just I mean, I loved it. And I definitely felt more comfortable in band just because, even though maybe just like in choir, I was the loudest clarinet or the and like in choir, I was a lot of soprano or whatever. Like, I just liked the community, like the band had, and like what we could accomplish as a band with all of the variety we had. I mean, everything woodwinds to brass to percussion to even later, we've integrated um, strings into our band. And so we've just had everything so different, but yet it comes together to make such a beautiful sound. Yeah, honestly. And I think that was one of like the cool things about being a part of a band. It was like such, I guess, like a unifying experience. And also, um, I didn't talk about this with Lily on our third episode, but I really wish I did, like, going back on it. Um, but I'm glad I am get to talk to another Bayback alum so I can talk about it now. Um, really since Bayback, I feel like, and I don't know if this is, like, a weird thing, if anyone's been in, like, a high school band, and, be, and honestly, I know a lot of people can't really necessarily relate to Bayback, but if you can relate to at least being in a band, being in some, like, homeschool co-op band or, like, any other, or maybe you have a friend who's in a band who's in a public school band, you can at least relate to this feeling. When you're listening, I feel like ever since I joined that band, even long since then, because it's been years now, like when I listen to music now, like just music in general, like it feels different because now I actually listen to strings. Now I actually listen for brass sections. Now I actually listen to that and that how that how well that sounds like one of the first songs I got really addicted to, like after band as like in as now my ears were beginning to like transition, I guess whereas a song called Burn the House Down by one of my favorite bands in the whole world, a band called AJR, which I'm assuming a lot of people know now at this point. And that song, like that whole song is legit a trumpet that's like like, con- like on a pitch bend thing where it's like wah, wah, wah. And like, I thought that was so cool. 
because I could just imagine like a bunch of, like in my head, like listening to the song, like I, I could just close my eyes and could just imagine the people at the Bayback Orchestra playing that song. Like it was like one of those like weird things. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Like, I don't know if anyone who's ever happened, who's ever been in the band has experienced this before. But like when you listen to songs, like your ears, like imagine, like make your brain imagine different things. Like, and imagine like your friends being a part of that with you. And it's like one of those like really cool things. Like I, I still do it to this day. And it's like so crazy. Yeah. Ray just gave me new appreciation for music and just like how complicated it can be. Where like it sounds simple, but it's that complicated, or it sounds that complicated, but it's that simple. Right. But I've just loved like unraveling pieces after that, and like finding the different parts and what makes it, what makes it sound this way, and why does it sound this way, and yeah. Do you ever like listen? I, I, I'm just very curious about this because I because remind me what what first of all, just for the audience, what other instruments do you play besides? Or I don't know if you still play clarinet to this day. Like what other instruments do you play besides obviously singing right now? So piano has been my main instrument. I've played piano since I was like nine or ten. So it's been eight or nine. Okay. Wait, no, no, nine or ten years at this point. I can do that. Wow. It's been like nine or ten years at this point. Um, and I still play piano to this day. I play for my church. I play for fun. I'll just, I mean, I have a keyboard in my room. I'll just play that randomly. Um, but just... I also. No, no, no. Yeah, Sorry, keep what? going. No, never mind. Keep going. I have a, I play guitar, ukulele. Um, I picked up the clarinet the other day. It's been a couple of years since I've played it, but I picked it up, found out I could still play. I can play the entire chromatic scale. Uh, um, if you guys and music then, people know what a chromatic scale is, like you guys are really cool. But if you don't know what a chromatic scale is, just look it up. It's it's it's, it's, it's pretty okay. simple it's just, to understand. It's playing all the notes on the instrument you can't essentially yeah. is what it is. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. And those are just kind of like my main instrument. There, like I attempted flute at one point. I attempted violin for a very short amount of time um but strings have not ever really been my thing right yeah so going back on that do you ever have like experiences where you listen to a song and you're like like i like either you imagine yourself playing that or you think you can play that or you imagine your friends playing that has that like ever happened to you listening to music absolutely or? i'm a huge like play by ear person so i will hear something and immediately go play it or one time, I was on the phone with someone, and I was sitting at my keyboard, and, like, I always have to be moving, and so I would just, like, I had the volume way down, and I was playing on my keyboard, and all of a sudden, I did something that I knew sounded like something I knew. So I, like, stopped paying attention to them, and I turned the volume up, and I just, I'll, like, pluck things out by ear, and then I will go listen to the song, and then, like, be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that, and keep, like, building on wow. what I've learned. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and yeah, I think that's definitely like something that I think, you know, cause I think I, I feel like I know a few people now who have that kind of talent where they can be able to play by ear. I sort of have that talent. There's like part, I like, I probably had that talent better when I was younger. I'm very much lacking in that now, but I would say like, definitely that's one of those things where like one, that's first of all, that's completely God given, like number one, like to have that mm -hmm, ability. Definitely. And number two, I think like, I just really think that like one of those things is like I think it's personally much cooler where you not only envision I guess yourself playing but more importantly you envision people you know and people that you care about playing because like I, I swear to God like this is not I'm not even kidding the first time I ever heard um, Runaway by Kanye West the first time I ever heard that song you guys probably if you've heard the song you know it's like 40 50 seconds of straight one note on a piano it's legit a high E and it's let's play it's 15 straight times. I like just imagine like when I first heard the song and you guys probably remember that from the trailer that I put out um, before I even started the show that it's that I when I first heard it, 
it legit reminded me of just like I just randomly just randomly thought of 15 people I knew who were playing the piano at the time. And I just imagined 15 pianos in a row and each person playing the high E like in a row, like just standing in a row. And like it was like one of those weird things I like I couldn't explain in the moment. And then like I just imagined it I had one of one of my longtime friends um, who I knew for a long time. His name is Ethan Key. He's a DJ and he likes to produce and he loves to produce music. And I just imagined him like in the back, like on a sample machine. Like, and then there's the 15 rows of pianos. And then like when the last like high E hits, like he just like randomly just goes off on a sample machine going into the actual chorus. And I like, I, it's legit. Like one of those things that like, it's like one of those things you like dream about. It's like, it's so weird. <laughs> and so weird for me talking out loud about it right now. But like, it's like one of those things where it's just like, you don't like, it's like the, one of those things you can't really explain. But, um, but going off on that, does it necessarily, and I, and I want to necessarily talk to you about this when you and i and music in a sense is very much differently interpreted depending on obviously who you're talking to like i was just recently on an episode um episode four with hannah nelson um she has listened to nothing but worship music for more than two plus years and obviously i've had other people on the show who are very much fluent in completely other genres of music where do you necessarily sit on that necessarily curve do you are you necessarily someone who listens to everything are you necessarily someone who likes a certain artist are you someone who like is just very fluent in just one genre like what or one or two like where, where do you necessarily sit on that yeah so i think growing up i actually wasn't allowed to listen to a lot of music it was strictly only worship music and it was only very specific kinds of worship music i mean really? all the way down to if the song had too much like electric guitar or percussion in it i wasn't wow. allowed to listen to it i kid you not so that was interesting. So and what, so, what, I don't what know. counted as too much percussion, though? Because it's hard to determine. Um, my dad like, will listen to the like, song. Is like Third Day kind of too much percussion? Is like Mercy Me kind of too much percussion? I was allowed like to kind of... listen to a lot of Mercy Me. I was listening to all of her King Country, the okay. Anthem Lights. There were only a couple Anthem Lights songs I was listen allowed to listen to. The rest were like, I wasn't allowed to listen to. Wow. Um, I don't know. And then I, I guess you could say my music genres started branching out i mean once i started i got my own like ipod and i started you know listening to, to like more music right mm -hmm. yes let's go and i started listening to more music but i'd say now i listen to i want to say about a good 50 percent of my music is worship music i really just love worship music it's mm -hmm. the best i love putting on worship music on like my early drives to work or to class whenever i'm like tired it just it gives me like a new sense of refreshment but then also i'm a huge country fan i love country mm. um and i listen to a lot of the radio not necessarily like streaming services i'm a little bit old school but i love the radio Shout and i will radio turn on people. the radio you listen to the radio exactly awesome. yes because like i just love the radio i just love the variety of i never know what's gonna be on next and then i find that song i might even have that song downloaded on my phone but it's just a million times better when it comes up on the radio like, mm -hmm. I think today I was driving home from somewhere and I turned on uh, our local uh, worship radio, Air One, and Gratitude came on. Which, by on. the way, isn't I, a local radio. It's like a multiple it? network. It's a multiple network radio. A lot of people know Air One. It's kind of like, ah. what's the other one called? What's the other one? Caleb. That's what the other one's called. Caleb. We don't have Caleb in Houston. Rip for okay, us. But for all the other people in the world who have Caleb, which I'm assuming a lot of people have who are listening to the show, 
it's basically Air One. So they're basically one and the same. But anyway. All right. <laughs> but anyway, so I turned Air One and Gratitude came on. And I mean, that's like my all-time favorite worship song. I have it downloaded on my phone. I've listened to it thousands of times. And yet it just is so cool when it comes on the radio. And I mean, I cranked the volume up. It was great. But outside um, the country, I listen to a lot of like, I just want to say maybe like acoustic pop is the best way to put it. Acoustic but I don't pop. like. So I guess indie in a sense, I would say is kind of like a term because I think it's it's really hard to because first of all, soft pop and indie are very much in kind of that same fluidity. Like I know a lot of people. Like I remember one of my friends a long time ago considered Twenty One Pilots soft pop, which I don't know why like that would ever be in that conversation. But I feel like a lot of soft pop artists, I think one first of all, they don't get recognized enough. Like I'm talking about like Lovely the Bands, I'm talking about Lonnie's, I'm talking about Lau's, like there's a lot of people in that soft pop genre who don't necessarily get enough, I guess, recognition. And in that sense, it very much has led, I think really to like a weird part in the sense where you were talking about listening to the radio. And this is actually a part where I'm gonna like go off a little bit. So let me just let me just go on and, and you can like really go on this when you if you want. Uh, as you guys probably know, one of my favorite artists ever in the history of music is a guy by the name of Kanye West. And his fourth album was an album called 808s and Heartbreak, which is an album that he put out right after the death of his mother. And that album is not explicit. There's no bad words in the entire album. And it's legit an album that's entirely auto-tune. Like it's not even rapping. It's legit him like fake singing, which by the way, is like now 55 to 65% of all of hip hop now. And it's like one of those things where like he basically revolutionized how we treat auto-tune, him and T-Pain. If anyone remembers T-Pain, by the way, shout out to you guys. Those two guys really revolutionized how auto-tune is basically, could basically be used. And now it's basically influenced an entire generation. Like I've seen multiple videos on YouTube where people were like, bro, Kanye went to the future. Like he went to the future and then came back and then put a record out in 2008 that completely changed how hip hop is done. Because it's true, hip hop has now completely changed to the point where it's now basically pop music. Hip hop is now pop music. It is now <laughs> like half of what we listen to on the radio. And in a sense, and it's, it's like one of those things where you don't really know how to feel about that because I never have honestly considered hip hop music like the main genre in America. And obviously that's one of the things where you don't necessarily know how to feel about those kind of things because like, for example, I'm looking at the Billboard Hot 100 right now. Like, it's legit, like, a different genre on every single song. Like, the number one song in the country right now is Easy On Me by Adele. I consider that soft pop. I consider Adele a soft pop artist. I've always considered Adele a soft pop artist. Um, second is Stay by Kit Leroy, which I don't know why it's still number two. It's been out for, like, a year, but okay. <laughs> but then number three is a song called Way Too Sexy, which is off of Drake's new album. And I've never considered Drake a serious pop artist, even though I, I, I love Drake as an artist. I've always respected his work, but I've never considered him like a top tier like pop artist because he's always used autotune, just like Kanye did back in 2008. So in a sense, it's like one of those things where it's three songs on a Billboard Hot 100 where you would think obviously showcases all different types of genres, but it's three songs from three different genres. So I wanted to talk to you about that. When you listen to the radio, because you're one of the few people who still listens to the radio, thank goodness. Do you, like, ever, like, notice that when instead of, like, the radio where it's not just, like, pop music on every single song that they're actually recognizing different genres? Like, do you think that's a good thing for music in a sense? I do. I really like the variety. I mean, like, with my country stations I have, I mean, sometimes they'll put on a really good old country song. And the next thing I know, some 
modern country song is playing that I wouldn't necessarily call country. It's a good song. Oh, it's the who, most who, recent who one. Who do we not consider country? Let's let 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 let's settle the debates right now for all the people who See, don't. I don't know enough to name names. But there's this one song, and I can't think of it for the life of me. It blew up all over uh, social media, and. Uh, well, number four. Fancy, fancy like. Yeah, no, fancy, that, like. fancy like right yep. now is number four on the Billboard Hot 100 right now. That is not country. I. So remind you, the top four songs in the Billboard Hot 100 are soft pop, hard pop, hip hop, country. That's top four songs in the country right now. See, see, but I don't believe fancy like is country. Right. So, so what is fancy like then, in a sense? Do you, do you consider that hard pop music in a sense? It's. I, I feel not. I, I feel like it's country. like pop country. It's, it's like pop, but, but like country, yeah. but like not like country. It's, it's a, not it's country, awkward country mix. but it's right. But some it's, country. it's in there. I mean, it's so like Dan and Shay like, country. Because by the way, I for a long time right. actually considered Dan and Shay a country artist. Jam on me for all you right. Just kind of like pop country. Yeah. So which I do love pop country, but I but also as I'm saying is I love the variety I get on the radio. I get some good. I mean, like Jason Aldean. You know, you get some uh, good country artists in there, and then they throw in, like, fancy-like. And I'm like, all right. I mean, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> whatever floats your boat, bro. Uh, yeah, I think that's, like, one of those things where you don't necessarily know. Because I definitely – I still think about that, like, whole topic to this day of, like, what artists, like, you necessarily go on right now. And it's, like, one of those things where you don't necessarily know what to talk about. But anyway – Moving on, I guess, from the music in a sense, um, I think a lot of people in this audience, I guess, know that you are, in a sense, a Team Pact alum. So you obviously have gone through that process before. You have obviously gone through the National Convention experience before. Where, in a sense, do you... I, I'll, I'll, I'll necessarily just make this like a, as general as possible. Um, but you can necessarily go on how what your experience has been with the ministry because you're now... I, I'm Because, first of all, you just turned 18. First of all, happy birthday um and secondly you're now necessarily in a point where you're now obviously looking past team back where you're now looking forward i guess and what necessarily is your future going to hold what are you most going to take away from team Pact? looking back yeah so i started team Pact back in 2017 i went as a barely a 13 year old we both were first... on the first we both had the same yep. first class guys like this is this is how far back we're Exactly. And we didn't know. We so like we, we ran exactly. into each other. That was the crazy thing. We ran into we're... each other walking in and out of the Chick-fil-A restroom and we were like, wait, who is that? Who like we were I was like, like, why is he here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so but anyway, so you started in 2017 and really since then, like what's what are you gonna what are you gonna remember from all these years, man? Well Team Pack changed my life. I think honestly a lot of a lot of Team Pack alum can say that, but Team Pack has really uh impacted my life for the good um but really it was team pack taught me to kind of like own my own faith i got challenged at team pack my faith got challenged it got built it got challenged some more and i really i guess i learned what i believed mm -hmm. and not only did i learn how i believed but i learned how to defend it and it became but it like it was a safe space to to defend your faith and to be open about things and then maybe ask questions and then continue to learn and so really just, I mean, taking everything I've learned and taking the leadership Team Pact taught me, the the morals, I mean, just the everything that Team Pact has uh, given me mm. and taking that forward into my new life, into college. I mean, I'm about to enter into, I mean, an experience 
like no other. Yes, I plan on going to a Christian college, but not everyone there is going to be a Christian. It's not going to be like Team Pact. No. There's going to be, you know, like uh, different, all different um, types of people. I mean, people who are on fire for Christ, people who are only there because their Christian yeah. parents made them. Right, right. And so just taking what Team Pact has taught me and applying that in my life at college and, you know, just kind of applying that fire for Christ I have and how to defend my faith, but then also just how to talk to other people and have uh, real conversations with them without being controversial or like setting fires everywhere and just keeping everything like cool. Yeah. And I think also, and this is also why, and I really want to make this point really strong, really here because, and, and I said this at the very beginning, you are clearly one of the best friends I've had in these last six years. And the reason why I say that is exactly what you just said about the divisiveness that has gotten into a lot of people's conversations really in the last three, four years, I would say, um, whether it's involved what's going on in the world, whether it involves politics, all these different things. And I've never in our entire friendship have viewed you as a political person. Never. I've never viewed you as someone who is passionate about their political beliefs. I've never viewed you as an activist, as like someone who like constantly posts about like their mar- like those like like life march rallies, which is not a bad thing. Like, I totally understand people doing that. Like, go do that. Like, if you want to advocate for that issue, go do that. But you've never been someone who like is proud of that. You're not someone who's like proud and like wants to wave a white flag at everything that you believe in. And that's one of the things I respect about you and respect about people who put their authentic self before their beliefs. And I think that's one of the things that I think I've always appreciated and especially when it comes to putting like oh like and we can talk about like separation of church and state like that's like a like a conversation we could, we could probably have an episode for two hours talking about right. like how we should talk about our faith or we should talk about politics and which we should bring up first in conversations and whatever but it's like one of those things that i've always appreciated about you because you've always brought up your faith before your politics that's always been like the unifying factor in every conversation that you've had and at least with me and in group settings with me and i think that's like one of those things and in group settings with other people who are listening right now um who know you and i think that's like one of those things where i think it's it's been very gracious for me to know you in that sense to know that i can go to someone who is not going to go into this divisive rabbit hole um like other like other friends and like other people that i know you know and it's like one of those like encouraging things so i definitely definitely thank you i definitely thank you for that i definitely will say i definitely thank you for that uh, in that sense, but um, but I want to know, like, ask you about that though. Like, have what do you necessarily do in those circumstances when you are thrust in those situations? When you have someone who brings up politics in a situation, you obviously don't aren't as politically sound as other people. What do you do in those situations? Like, I mean, while I don't bring it up all the time, I do have my own political views, but I don't. I feel like politics has been just such a division in this world and i just hate that i hate that people can't get over their political views i mean it's even happened in my own like extended family and it's i just i don't want to be part of that division and so while i do have my own political views and my own views on like i mean everything from who should or shouldn't be president i mean all the way down to even some of the little things. I just, I don't want that to be a defining factor on whether or not I'm friends with someone. And so when it comes up, I'll give people my views, but not in a strong or aggressive way because there's no need for that. I don't need to be aggressive to get my point across. You don't need to 
like be passionate and be uh, like just all up in someone's face to get your point across. I mean, almost that does the opposite because the first thing they're going to do is put up their defenses and come at you aggressively. And so all it does is it creates tension. And so I've just been always one to just put my love for my brothers and sisters in Christ before politics and before what they believe, because I mean, that comes first, no matter, I mean, at the end of the world, doesn't matter who's president, it's who's your brothers and sisters in Christ and loving them first. And so that's just something I've never been super open or big on politics just because it's just such a division. And I don't want any part in that. Yeah. I think that's one of those things like is one, you can have really honest and really real conversations about those kind of things. And you don't necessarily, and you, and you mess in a necessary way, like have a feeling of just trying to be kind of as outgoing as possible in those situations where you try to find the bridges instead of the walls, you know? And it's like right. one of those things where you like try to find those benchmarks. So I really, I really appreciate you saying that because that honestly, all of that is really true. Um, but now I feel like, first of all, for, for, okay. So we were now just in like a depressive part in the episode. We were very much in this point where we're like, now we're sad, we're serious, we're very, we're, we're very soft tone. But now I want to get excited because now we're going into personally one of my favorite segments on the show, and that's a segment called Flashing Lights. Flashing lights. So this is obviously a game that we played on on the last few episodes. So far, I am assuming people enjoy it. Um, so we're gonna see how this goes. But flashing lights. It's very simple to understand. It's a very simple game. We're gonna be playing a game where I basically am gonna be getting your opinions on a certain issue, and you have to say your opinion on it in 15 seconds or less. I got a timer right here. I'm gonna be timing you on this. Oh God. So right. we are going to be talking about. So I was thinking about this for a while. I was thinking about what should we do for flashing lights for Abigail? What should be the topic? that she wouldn't necessarily have the most sound knowledge of, that she would know, what necessarily what she would like. So we're going to be discussing, we are going to have you try to see if you can figure out how many things, and this is actually not going to be in normal flashing lights, um, I decided. We're going to say, I have a 60-second timer right here, and we're going to see how many songs you can name that have sold more than 10 million copies or more in the United States. We're going to be naming those songs right now. So basically, just to give you an idea, we're basically, and, and, and we're thinking any genre, like think we, we're, we're going like completely outside the box here. If you can name at least, uh, I, I'm not actually, I'm not going to put like a target on it. We're just going to see how many you can do. All right. So that's, so that's like, see, I don't pay attention to statistics. No, that's, that, no that's the point. That we're, 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 that's the point. Oh, so God. yeah, the point is, is like what popular songs and this is, and we're talking like any, like I have my list right here. Like this list is filled with pop music. This is filled with like party songs. This is filled with Christmas songs. This is filled with like, what else? We have like old rock songs. We have, we have basically everything. We have songs, like it, it's legit, like every single possible genre. So you could literally like go anywhere with this. But anyway, so I have a 60 second timer. And we're gonna see how well you do. If you, the most, I will give you a hint. The most, the highest selling digital song of all time was released four years ago. It was released by Ed Sheeran and had 41 million digital copies sold. But that's the only hint I'm gonna give you. The only hint I'm gonna give you, you got 60 seconds. Flash. Go. All right. So, well, I think about that Sheeran one because it's been a long time since I listened to him. I gotta go with Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. That I is, feel that like is that correct. And then we mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but uh, Fancy Like, definitely uh, fancy, up there. Fancy Like has not. That is incorrect. It is not. It is not. Ah, uh, dang. 
Okay. Um. Oh gosh, and I can't think about Ed Sheeran one, and it's driving me crazy. Um, someone you loved. Someone you loved. That How's is that here. One? Someone you loved is here. Yes. Yes, I learned that one personally. You got a bunch of um, people. You got Adele here. Perfect, that's perfect. Perfect. Yeah, perfect here. That's very true. Easy on me by Adele. Is that one reached it? No, no, it's not. There's yes. other Adele nope, songs though. Yeah, I don't listen to Adele. Um, we got Lady Gaga stuff. Oh, we got Pharrell stuff. We got Maroon Five. We got Katy Perry. We got El Golding. Circles. Maroon Cir Five. Circles. Circles is here. Yes. Flashy. Circles. Firework by Katy Perry. Firework. That's true. They got five. Flashy. Oh shoot. Um. You're over there five seconds. Oh, dang. I don't know. Come on, you got one. You got one more. Yeah. Come on, what's the really popular song in 2012? Come on. I don't know you. Three seconds. Oh! oh. All right. You got five. You got five. Five. The one I was trying to get you to get was Gangnam Style, bro. Gangnam Style. Oh, I don't know the freaking yes. Gangnam Yeah, I don't think I would have gotten that one. Oh. I mean, I've heard it, but... See, my dad works at NASA, okay. and NASA well, we're released just gonna review a the like, list. NASA version so, of it. You can regret in pain. Um, the number two, so the first of all, the highest grossing song that I was trying to get you to get at the very beginning was Shape of You. 41 and a half million copies of Shape of You have been sold digitally. Wow. The second song is Despacito with 36 million copies sold. Uh, the fourth song, the fourth song on the list is something just like this by the by Coldplay. Which, okay, that's a good song. Which is a very well-known song. Number five is See You Again by Charlie Puth, which is maybe the song that's played at every single funeral ever. No offense to funerals, but like See You Again is like at every single funeral ever now at this point. The Adele song that I was trying to Rolling in the Deep, 20 million copies sold Rolling in the Deep. Um, Bad Guy is obviously on this list. Call Me Maybe is obviously on this list. Old Town Road, Havana, Senorita, God's Plan, Blurred Lines, Moves Like Jagger, um, Happy, freaking Happy. Like, do we, do we all forget about Happy? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm just telling you, that, that is an unknown, Hello, like, it's me. era oh, of music. Of just music. the way you are. See, now I'm just, see, now we're just going to, like, mess with her this whole point. Anyway, uh, before I let you go, before I let you go, um, obviously, obviously, first of all, that was Flashing Lights. You in the last part of the the tagline. Uh, but, um, but before you go, I do want to ask you, uh, like one last question about this last topic because um obviously this audience may know you for certain things they may know you for your incredibly fun personality they may know you for how passionate you are about your faith they may know you for your musical talents all that kind of stuff they may know you because they work with you because like many people you do in fact work at chick-fil-a yes i know she's a part of that club you're welcome uh <laughs> did you uh but what but what do you want people to know about you then in a sense that many people don't know in a sense about Abigail what do, what do people want to know about the real Abigail that they don't know sure I just think that honestly to everyone you meet and this isn't like just solo for me but there is a real side to people to every person there's just a real side to them and you may never see it I mean someone could have gone through um some traumatic past experience that you would never know because they cover it up or they've just never talked about it. But like, I feel like, I guess my selling point or just the big thing about me and that I want others to know is like, you're not, you're never alone and your situation isn't unique. And that's not to say that it's not valid or it's, um, your feelings are invalid or any trauma you've been through is invalid. But like, there are others that you can share your life with and share your trauma with that will like understand because they've been there 
And I just feel like so many people in this world feel like they're alone. And just, like, my big thing is, like, especially if you have me as a friend, you're never alone because I'm always here to listen. And, like, that's just that's just part of me. I just always want to be. I've always been, like, a listener. While I talk a lot, I always like to listen. And I always like to hear other people's stories and past and where they've come from and where they've grown. Yeah. I think that's, like, one of those things where, like, I, I'm, first of all, that's really encouraging. And I think a lot of people who don't necessarily know you are very encouraged by you saying that. But um, I think that's really one of those things where it's like you don't, like when you share those like kind of things, you expect the people to at least have some sort of sympathy for you. And I think that's like one of those things where you just feel, I guess, super encouraged, I guess, by when you hear someone say those kinds of things, because you have the sense of, you have the sense of obligation where you feel like, like, wow, like, I really relate to this person. Like, I, like, I, I live this person's life, like, all day, right. and, like, every day, you know? So, but, um, but anyway, uh, honestly, first of all, I feel really stupid um, right now because I legit am so dumb in the fact that freaking Caleb, because we were just talking about Caleb earlier, they also have their kind of top 100 list for Christian songs. And honestly, if we just did that list, you probably could have got, like, 15. Like, honestly, like, on this list. Um, just to give you a sense, the number one Christian song in the country right now, I don't know why, because it's been out for basically a year plus, is You Say by Lauren Daigle. That song has been out forever. Of course. Um, and number two, by the way, and me and Hannah Nelson were talking about this song. Number two in the nation right now when it comes to Christian songs is Holy Water by We the Kingdom. That is a song that has basically gone viral at this point. Um, <laughs> because I think a lot of people firstly relate to that song. And then number three is actually the song that just won uh, best song at the Dove Awards just a couple weeks back. Um, that is The Blessing by Kari Joe and Cody Carnes. So, um, but anyway, um, first of all, thank you so much for coming back on the show or for coming on the show for the first time. I know a lot of people don't necessarily know, didn't necessarily know the real Abigail Lee until now. And I feel like us, I guess, sharing our experiences from Bayback and us sharing our music tendencies and even you not knowing popular music. Uh, which at least, <laughs> was at least was at least something. Uh, will, will you promise the audience that you will at least be try to be more attentive when it comes to what is on what is what is highly streaming right now? <laughs> right, you know I can try, but I mean, who knows? Yeah, who knows? But anyways, thank you so much, Abby, for coming on the show. Uh, thank you of guys course. for listening um, to another episode of Point Information Podcast. We will be back for the next episode. Thank you guys so much. Peace out, hey, town.